folks welcome back to another beautiful episode of the norwood noise it is thursday february 2nd and as promised we got an action-packed full episode here for you so we're going to roll on through it um, of course myself evan shibble as always graham griffith alongside me donning a beautiful skyline chili t-shirt uh rate rate on skyline out of 10 10 really yeah skyline chili is perfect food okay I, I, I know I knew you liked it. I just didn't know if it was a. It's great. Uh, Coney's never miss. I agree. I agree. But every time I go high low on a three way, <laughs> oh my god, the Skyline Chili three way is what's right with this world. All it's right. one thing we should build on in, all, in this time of trials and tribulations of daily American life. We should turn to the Skyline Chili three way as a way to uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't know we were getting a deep analysis on American society on the podcast today. I love three ways, man. <laughs> Pause. Pause. <laughs> um, all right. Well, welcome Resume. back. That's a that's a banging way to start off this episode. Um, and <laughs> Graham, let's get back to the basics here. How you doing? Um, how have things been? Uh, what's going on in the uh, in the world of a Xavier basketball manager? Well, things aren't that good because I haven't had Skyline Chili in a while. <laughs> but uh, outside of um, the lack of a three-way, uh, life has been pretty good um, in the grips of the season. But um, if there's a good time to be a Musketeer, it's right now. Uh, so it's easy you know, to sit down and enjoy uh, some good time talking college hoops. Uh, as we said, you know, action pack weekend, you know, Mountain West goes back and forth every night in the late time slots and, uh, the SEC big 12 battle, like just mid middle of the conference season, uh, which I love. I, I don't know what's your take on it. I, I like it. We've got to break up that conference season somewhere. Yeah. I like it more, uh, that it's in the middle of the season than before. Cause I feel like those games mean a lot more, mm-hmm. um, because teams have established a resume, you either need a win or can't take a loss or whatever it might be. So the fact that these games are in the middle of the conference season, I feel like add a little bit more stakes instead of just a throwaway win at the start of the season, uh, which a lot of these games slowly become. Yeah, like absolutely. The, they can be big momentum momentum swings too for some teams as well. Yeah, but like if we played West Virginia now, it would mean a lot more. I agree. Like, that West Virginia game means practically nothing on our resume right now. Well, especially because they've been yeah, they underperforming. Stink. The yeah. Well, but. All right. Anywho, um, well, we got a lot of games to recap. We got to go back to Wednesday, January 25th, because we recorded early last week. 
um, with some travel and you know a bunch of other stuff going on with managerial stuff and, and Xavier basketball as a whole. So uh, we will take you back to January 25th. Um, obviously, we'll get to Xavier later, uh, but they had a huge win that night over UConn. It, it's weird to see the scoreboard that that was only a three-point win because it felt like a lot more. Um, but other <laughs> notable results from that evening, uh, Texas A&M beat Auburn um, pretty handily as well. Again, that's kind of a bloodbath there in the SEC. Um, nothing really too surprising there out of that game, um, but definitely one worth noting. Uh, and then that following Thursday, the next night, uh, the, the, the storm was canceled. Um, it was it was like a Midwestern storm, you know, where they're predicting, you know, three to four feet of snow, um, and then you end up with, you know, a little bit of rain uh, when you wake up that morning. Purdue did go into the crisis center and win 75-70, uh, despite my early call predictions, unfortunately. Um, so that was a tough one. USC came back from, like, 15 down and won by <coughs> 13 uh, at home against UCLA. That was a bit of a weird one. I wasn't really watching too closely because I didn't think it was going to be much of a game. Uh, and then realized that I was kind of missing a close one. Um, but USC ended up uh, pulling it out there uh, and really taking care of business on the stretch. Um, tough loss there for um, UCLA. So from those middle of the week games, Graham, uh, any big takeaways? Obviously, we'll get to Xavier later. Um, but anything too crazy you kind of took out of the middle of the week last week? Um, nothing uh, too crazy other than the fact that uh, Texas A&M uh, got a pretty big win over Auburn. Um, Texas A&M was kind of riding like that late season NIT push. Um, a lot of teams were, a lot of people had some high upside on Texas A&M, and then they just dropped some really confusing games. Um, but, uh, they lost to Colorado by a big amount. They lost to a Murray State team that isn't what Murray State has been in the past. They lost to Wofford. Um, but then, you know, they... Picked up some pretty big wins um, going into conference season and then into conference season. Uh, they've only lost to Arkansas and Kentucky. Kentucky's starting to figure it out, and Arkansas is a very good team. Um, so you can't hate their losses, and I think Texas A&M is going to be one of those teams that's going to be on that bubble late uh, in the season. And I I think that they have a good chance to make a splash if they get there. Um Moving on, I think uh, the USC game was huge. Um, USC was supposed to be pretty good this year. Yeah, and they and really have underperformed. They they have definitely underperformed, but now they're seven, um, they're eight and three in the Pac-12 right now, uh, getting a big win over UCLA. Uh, I think that's a good momentum change because I mean we've seen some projections on the Pac-12 like getting three teams in, um, and I think USC could get in uh, just. Based on they have the talent and the ability to beat some big teams, um, Pac-12 is very uh, top-heavy. I mean, it, sure. it, it's so far this season it's been Arizona, UCLA, and then you have some like respectable teams of like Utah, USC, and Arizona State. State. Yeah, that have like yeah. been able to be like okay, but at the same time, Florida, like maybe in that category as well. Yeah, Pac-12 has just not been anything of note but a big win for usc kind of levels the playing field late in the season yeah and that's a really tough one kind of for those middle of the ta- middle of the table like those those bubble teams right in that conference because a lot of times it can be super difficult when you go into a lot of games with a lot of pressure right like obviously every conference game for every team across the country has a lot of pressure um but when you're when you're a bubble team like that in a, in a conference that 
doesn't provide a lot of opportunities, right, for those big marquee wins that can really, you know, help your resume. So, you know, if you're USC, you got to go in when you play UCLA and Arizona, you know, you got to know, like, this is a game, like, you know, we almost have to win, especially if it's at home. Um, but then at the same time, on the flip side, like, you can't really take a night off, right? Because you're, you're, you know, you're low enough in that kind of ability level that you can lose to those bottom feeder teams. And if you take a couple of those losses, you might as well, you know, consider your season over. <coughs> so it's, it's a really tough kind of dichotomy for those um, bubble teams there kind of in the middle. So, all righty, we'll move on. Uh, quite a few notable results from the weekend. Um, we'll run through the Saturday-Sunday matchups really quick. Of course, like we mentioned earlier, the Big 12 SEC was going on Saturday, and that provided some weird uh, results. So I'll run through those here. We had West Virginia um, beating Auburn at home. So that's a two-game losing streak for the Tigers. Not great. Uh, I think Auburn has the potential, but I just haven't seen it from them this year. It's kind of been a weird, like, first of all, their non-con was not great. They didn't really play anyone too difficult. Um, and they've just been very up and down so far through this uh, through this SEC schedule. Uh, and then Oklahoma <laughs> beat the brakes off of Alabama. That I just was completely blown away by that. Um, they won ninety three to sixty nine. Um, so great win there for uh, Oklahoma. And then Mizzou beat Iowa State seventy eight sixty one. That was another weird one. Um, Baylor took care of business beating Arkansas. They needed to get that win. Um, Mississippi State beat TCU, uh, but Mike Miles was out of that game again with the hyperextended knee. Um, so, obviously, unfortunate. Uh, TCU was also without uh, Eddie Lampkin, their star forward. Um, so, definitely, you know, a tough loss for TCU. <coughs> not saying they couldn't have got it done, but on the road at Mississippi State, which is a good team. You remember, this is a top 25 team uh, during the non conference. They were one of the last undefeated teams. Um, so, obviously, that was a, a difficult matchup for them, especially on the road. Uh, Mississippi State did well to get that win to really kind of keep them in that tournament conversation. K-State took care of business with Florida, 64-50, great win. Um, Tennessee pretty handily beat Texas. I kind of expected Texas to you know, show a little bit more fight there, um, but didn't really see it out of them. And then Kansas beat Kentucky to wrap up the night at Rupp, 77-68. Kind of took care of business down the stretch. It was close for a little bit, but you know Kansas, for the most part, kind of handled the game well. Um and then outside of that, St. Mary's got a one-point win over Baylor. Um, Clemson beat Florida State by one, which was a scary one there for a second for the Tigers. Uh, Pitt won at Miami. Again, kind of that middle-of-the-table ACC. Don't really know what to expect from them. Uh, Charleston took an unfortunate loss. They lost to Hofstra, 85-81. That one hurts Charleston a lot. Um, again, you got to you know kind of continue to keep winning games if you want to stay in that, um, that at-large conversation if you're one of those mid-majors, of course. Uh, and then, obviously, we'll get to Xavier later, but... Creighton beating Xavier, um, a road game for Xavier. Really, really tough loss there uh, for the Musketeers. So, Graham, take me take it away. Um, Saturday results you found interesting, big headlines, and we can talk Big 12 SEC kind of as a whole. Um, but obviously Big 12 really took care of business there against the SEC teams. Yeah, uh, the biggest example of um, the Big 12 showing out was this Oklahoma explosion. <laughs> I mean, not only did they win, they just – Ran the table. Um, that was pretty unbelievable to see. Um, Tennessee getting a big win over Texas. Um, I, I think this Tennessee team is very, very special. Um, this was obviously before um, they're a little bit of a confusing loss to Florida. Um, but 
if we talk Florida, talk a little bit of Xavier, that with Florida's win versus Tennessee, they moved up into quad one. Huge. Um, so that Xavier game, uh, that, that win will help us out come March for building up our resume. Um, Kentucky was starting to piece it together, and then they had to uh, play one of the best teams in the nation um, after Kansas was on a three-game losing skid. Uh, I don't see Kansas ever losing that game, um, but commendable for uh, Kentucky. I felt like they played a pretty decent game, um, but I think the better team just won. Uh, moving on, I thought it was very surprising that Missouri was able to win uh, by that much. That was a weird one. Because <laughs> um, I think Iowa State is for real. But at the same time, I'm a, a huge fan of what Dennis Gates has been able to do at Missouri. Um, they've been kind of dropping some games that they shouldn't. Uh, they lost to Texas A&M and lost to Florida. Uh, but they only lost to Alabama by one. And now they've won three straight in their conference uh, before having Mississippi State and South Carolina back-to-back. Uh, they're sitting at seventh in the SEC, and I feel like they could be doing a lot better. Uh, I would not like to see, um, like, in in March, if I was a team, I would not want to play Missouri. I think that they are very talented, and Dennis Gates has done an amazing job. Um, West Virginia upsetting Auburn. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> right. Stevenson with 31 points. Again, what? Like, this Auburn team... Um, I think it's only a matter of time where we just realize that this just isn't their year. They've been in a lot of big games and just haven't either looked that good or have lost. I don't think that this uh, Auburn team is as legit as we thought. Um, Arkansas, again, I would throw them while they've battled some injuries. Um, I think that's just another team that isn't as legit as we thought. Uh, They're 0-5 on the road this year. That that's not good, um, and finally, uh, talk a little bit about um, Charleston after winning twenty games in a row, dropped to Hofstra, uh, one of the better teams in the CAA this year. Um, that really stinks for Charleston because now you have to win your tournament. I mean, what's what's stink? Uh, I mean, I think if you if you win if, out, if they win out, but again, like these losses are gonna. They can't drop anymore. No, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Uh, which is always unfortunate because they have proved that they are a good team. For sure. And it's really going to stuck with like a 500 or maybe even below 500 uh, bottom, like middle of the road, SEC or ACC, yeah. uh, Big 12, Pac-12 yeah. team is going to get over like a Charleston-like team or an FAU. Now that FAU has lost tonight. Um that that's gonna be really unfortunate to see if one of these really good teams that's been playing well all season gets gets uh, bounces when they're gets bounced when in replace of a kind of crappy power six team. Right. Agreed. <laughs> uh moving into Sunday, uh only really I mean neither game was super notable or, you know, like a must watch. Um, but just worth noting that Zach Eady had thirty eight points and thirteen rebounds against Michigan State on Sunday. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I would say, you know, barring a season-ending injury, he probably has <coughs> Player of the Year lined up. I, I don't know what you think, Graham, but I mean, this guy is just a statistical 
I don't even know. I mean, it's unbelievable, um, you know, how how many points he reigns in the night, how many boards he reigns in the night. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, and I, I kind of think for that player of, the, player of the year race, it's Zach Eadie and everybody else. So, um, all right, let's move into the kind of the middle of the week and, and early part of the week this week. Um, man, Syracuse g- gave Virginia a run for their money on Monday night. I was kind of really hoping, you know, just for the sake of, of you know, a fun game to watch, uh, that Syracuse would get it done. But unfortunately, um, or I guess fortunately for Cavalier fans across the country, uh, Virginia got the win, sixty-seven to sixty-two. Good on them uh, to to kind of take care of business there down the stretch. Uh, Texas beat Baylor seventy-six seventy-one at Texas. Big win for the Longhorns. <coughs> that was super helpful for their. Um, for their overall resume and a good confidence booster after getting pretty pretty well handled by a good SEC team over the weekend in Tennessee. Um, so good on Texas for that win there. And then Texas Tech goes and beats Iowa State. So now they're on a two-game losing streak. Excuse me, losing skid. Um, 80-77 in overtime, Texas Tech wins. And that is just, and we can get deeper into this, Graham, but I just think that is just such a good example of why the Big 12 is so watchable and such a great watch. Because Iowa State, a team that at the time was tied for first in the Big 12, wasn't even favored on the road against the last place team in the Big 12 that hadn't won a game. Tech was favored by a point in this game. And Tech ended up winning in overtime. Like, that's unbelievable. The worst team, a team that has not won a conference game, is favored against a team tied for first in the league. It's it's ridiculous. So, um, definitely worth noting that. Along the lines of the Big 12... Tuesday night, Kansas got a huge revenge win, 90-78. Really controlled it from the tip. Um, huge to kind of get things rolling again for the Hawks. They have to go to Ames on Saturday. They got the early tip, the noon tip. Very excited to see that one. That would be a good one. Clemson dropped an unnecessary game to a bad Boston College team, 62-54. Uh, BC gets the win there. Clemson, don't need it. Like you Just just keep things together. They're still in sole possession of first in ACC, um, but just got to kind of keep things together here. Um, as we as we move down the stretch of conference play, and, you, and you'll make the tournament just fine. Only other really notable one, um, I guess there are a couple other notable ones from Tuesday night. Alabama beat the brakes off Vanderbilt to avenge that loss to Alabama, one hundred and one to forty four. I don't know if I've ever seen a conference game with that kind of scoreline. I mean, that was ridiculous. One hundred one to forty four. Um, Brandon Miller had twenty two, of course. Uh, good win for the Tide to kind of rebound after a tough loss there. Uh, Maryland 66-55 over Indiana. Not really surprised again. Maryland, really weird. Like, has won a bazillion games at home this year and can't win a road game. Um, so that's going to be a bubble team. But again, Indiana, good win there. Um, good, good to get that win there and uh, and kind of you know maybe push yourself to the right side of the bubble. And then late Tuesday night, Nevada, San Diego State. What a phenomenal way to end the evening. Um, a great win for for Nevada and really. Kind of pushing that case for that four bid Mountain West, right? So, um, in that league right now, you got San Diego State, you got New Mexico, you got Boise State, and then you got Nevada. All four um, very much uh, kind of in contention um, for that uh, for for a you know an at large bid in that conference, um, and really good to see them kind of getting those wins like that. Um, had another one last night. Uh, Utah State beating New Mexico again, very helpful for kind of the overall of the league. Um, New Me- or Utah State's going to be kind of an outside looking in type of situation. They're probably going to be 
um, a bubble team. But really, all five of those teams have a very good chance of making the NCAA tournament. And they have in front of them um, what they need to do to get there. So good for the Mountain West. Always fun to watch those games and kind of see how um, you know those, those key games can kind of implicate down the rest of the season. Again, we'll get back to Xavier uh, at the finish, but a great overtime win for the Musketeers last night. Uh, wrapping up with the Wednesday results. And then Florida, like we mentioned earlier, beat Tennessee. Huge. Moves that up to a quad one game. And then Marquette gave Nova a run. Uh, or, excuse me, Nova gave Marquette a run at Marquette. But really, Shaka Smart. And you can just see the coaching difference there. Kyle Neptune will get there. Um, <laughs> Kyle Neptune will get there eventually. I, I have all the faith in the world that they'll get to that point again. But you saw the difference. I mean, you saw the under eight and the under four timeouts and the adjustments that were made the pressure that was ratcheted up by Marquette and really just put the pedal to the metal down the stretch and really put that game away. Um, down one and a half. They outscored Villanova by 10 in the second. Great win for Marquette. That kind of brings us to the end of the week, uh, or at least up till now. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll turn over to you, Graham. Kind of what, were your, what, what are your takeaways through the early part of this week, and what are some trends that you see kind of going into – I mean, we are. It is February. Welcome to February. We're a month away from March Madness. What are some trends that you're seeing kind of play out right now? That you're excited <coughs> to see how they finished on this last month of conference play. Um, one of one of the teams that um, I'm gonna look forward to watching them just because I've only been able to see highlights. I don't think I've sat down and watched them much. Is uh, Miami, Florida? I was high on them from the beginning, and then when they started their year 13 and one, um, I've been very interested in what they would be able to do come March um, between Miller, Wong, and Peck. I think that they have just a like three-headed monster of guards that just really can light it up. Um, I, I think that Miami's is Miami is one of those teams um, that like if you just start to piece it together, like could very well be a Final Four team. Um, other teams that I, you know, coming pretty high on is just like the out west when um, the Mountain West has really come together in its own um, on just very, very good, solid teams. The only problem that they're experiencing right now is that they didn't do it that like insane of a job in conference play. I mean, a non-conference play yeah. that. You might only have one team ranked a week, right? sure. which has been yep. been the case. New Mexico, uh, UNLV, San Diego State now. Um, I, I, th- I think that's all that, that have been ranked this year. Yeah, New Mexico, San Diego State, UNLV, I think were the only three that were ranked at one point. Uh, so the big wins that they get, like, it just, yeah. like, will, like, replace them. And when teams like Nevada, who have come into their own, uh, UNLV has dropped a lot of games. Boise State has come into their own. Like Utah State's kind of starting to show up a little bit. Too. Yeah, they just like the con- like the constant dropping of games has really affected their chances of putting really good teams into the tournament. Yeah, but I do I do think that um, as long as there aren't any like explosions at the bottom of the Mountain West, like if Colorado State goes on a tear. Um, I really do think that we might see four or five teams in the Mountain West um, get there. Um, I think the tough part, I mean, obviously the conversation you got to have is kind of like to your point, like, 
rather for the league's sake, like rather than getting two or three really really good teams, you know, sending four or five like. Eh, like might get overseeded. Like that was the issue last year. Was they sent four teams to the tournament? All four lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there were some tough draws. Like Colorado State getting Michigan in the first round. That was stupid. Like <coughs> that's a tough game. But kind of to your point is, I guess as a league, difficult to see you know this kind of bloodbath at the top. Yeah, I I think from an outside perspective is may, maybe they might want one team goes and just goes. Elite Eight, Final Four, like that would be great for their brand. But, you know, from my perspective, I think bolstering up your conference to having multiple teams, multiple great programs that are going to the tournament, I think that that just does, like, great things for your conference. Um, You know, moving on, like the West Coast Conference, this year is definitely not their year as compared to what last year they were able to do. Um but you, still a lot of really solid It was teams. late February, and we were thinking it could very well be five, yeah. six teams. We, I mean, we were talking like Santa Clara was going to make the tournament. Like San Diego yeah. uh, like went on like a three-game winning streak, beating all of the below Gonzagas. Yeah, San Francisco was ridiculous. San Francisco was really good. BYU was good. Uh, St. Mary's is always very good. And at one time, like West Coast Conference was looking very good. Um and I think that this is just adding more and more and more like appreciation for these smaller conferences that like the skill gap isn't as big as it used to be. I agree. And, and I think that's a good point that we can kind of look at. And Saturday's a great matchup to kind of look forward to. Gonzaga's playing St. Mary's on Saturday. Like, St. Mary's legitimately, like, if they win that game, could go on to win the West Coast Conference, like, outright. Like, they, they, they are, and it's. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, lines aren't out yet for the game. But I wouldn't be surprised if St. Mary's was favored. I mean, in all of the you know, <coughs> predictive metrics, they're better than Gonzaga. Um, and it's at St. Mary's. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if St. Mary's was favored in that game. And, again, like we were saying, you know, if you go on and you win that game, um, you, you know, you're, you're, you control your own destiny at that point. Yeah. To uh, so also, like, add on to that um th- i think like the portal has done great things um for a lot of mid-major schools mm-hmm. because almost every mid-major game that you'll watch there'll be someone who's a power six transfer that maybe played a little bit in minutes yep. either coaching change or just not making it work at like a yeah, very, fit, the yeah, highest of level or whatever uh you go down a level because um, while like the gap is getting a little bit smaller, there still is a gap. Like, sure. The Mountain West isn't yeah. even the Pac-12. Right. Um, but and I think the portal has done great things of giving kids opportunity. And uh, there's been a lot of pushback, and I think a lot of it is like the older generation of fans hating the portal, hating this freedom that a lot of students, student-athletes have. But I, I'm, I for one, like, I'm a huge fan, and I think it does great things for um, just all student-athletes and all collegiate sports as a whole, giving kids opportunity to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, as if, like, any of them care, but, like, get a better education where they're more fit and whatever. Um, So uh, there's been a lot of, like, uh, rumblings about, like, once people are (coughs) done with the COVID year of eligibility – kind of hone back in on the portal 
But for me, I think it's an excellent opportunity. Um, and come Mar- March Madness, like there's going to be a storyline where there's a kid who, for example, let's say he was at Kansas and he's the eighth, ninth man. Self doesn't think that he's that right. quality of a player. So he goes to you, like pick it, like UC Santa Barbara. UC right. Santa Barbara gets in 14th, bid, yeah. 14th seed. They have to play against Texas and – they beat Texas. And they and beat Texas. Like, like, oh, my God, here's this kid, former Kansas. Like, those types of yeah. stories are what I think make March. For sure. Um, and, and I think the transfer rule only emphasizes that, right? Yeah. And for me, like, these smaller conferences getting better, like, just makes March Madness that much more better. Because if you ask any casual fan or any true fan of college basketball, like, oh, what's your favorite March Madness moment? It's an upset. No one ever is going to be like oh that team that time that duke ran the table that time that kansas ran the table like right. like the non-biased fan who doesn't have like any like foot in any camp is going to be like oh umbc st peters right. uni like it's going to be like those types of moments for sure and i think the smaller conference is kind of becoming more respectable the atlantic tens of the world while this is a definitely a down year for them they've had two, three, four bid years. Right. Uh, <laughs> Mountain West, West Coast, Conference USA, American Athletic. Like, I think the smaller conferences have done an excellent job of becoming reputable ba- brands in the world Especially of college taking, basketball. Yeah, taking advantage of that transfer portal. So, All right, well, good stuff there. Uh, we'll kind of break it down here. Uh, we'll get into Musketeer Man. Let's I, really quickly, I just want to, like, Graham, I don't know if you're seeing this. We got a tie ball game in Wichita, Kansas right now. Houston on the road in Charles Coach Arena at at Wichita State tied fifty four apiece. Might have to go flip that one on after this. Catch the end of that one. Um, this pod will be up after that, but definitely worth noting. And then West Coast Nightcap tonight again. Like what we were literally just talking about. San Francisco at St. Mary's. St. Mary's eleven and a half point favorite, but Dons are sneaky. Never know. Uh, and then Santa Clara at Gonzaga. Santa Clara gave Gonzaga a good run at home. See if they can re- avenge that. Um, also at 11 o'clock tonight. So we got two games, 11 o'clock tonight, tomorrow night, Mountain West game. Got to keep an eye on it. Boise State at San Diego State. San Diego State opens the seven-point favorites. Um, but you got to be careful of the Broncos. And then this weekend, there's a ton of good games. Kansas at Iowa State. Um, Auburn's at Tennessee this weekend. Miami's at Clemson. That's going to be a great one. Purdue's at Indiana. Hoosier fans, wake up. This is your chance. Like, if you want to solidify the NCAA tournament right now, you got to go beat Purdue on Saturday. Like, just do your thing. Do the whole assembly hall. Like, bring out the whatever the made video is. I, I don't know what the whole thing is. But just, just do the Indiana basketball thing. It's going to be a great game. I hope the atmosphere is going to be rocking, of course. Like, I the Purdue-Indiana series and kind of the – you know, revitalization of both those programs has been so much fun to watch because I think they have two of the best home court arenas in college basketball and to watch them trade home and aways every year is awesome. So I I hope that that one delivers on Saturday. Looking forward to seeing that one. Texas has to go to uh, Manhattan and play Kansas State. Um, Again, that's a really good one to keep your eye on. Uh, Four o'clock on Saturday, four o'clock Eastern that is. And then Gonzaga (coughs) St. Mary's, like we mentioned, um, late night. Saturday, So that kind of wraps up the weekend. Um, things to keep an eye on. Of course, we'll be back next week with all our standard stuff. 
But before we go, we'll wrap it up with the Musketeer Minute. Three games to recap. A road win at UConn, uh, a road loss at Creighton, and a home win against Providence in overtime. Graham, you said 2-1 and one was great through that stretch of three games. Do you still feel that way after the stretch of three? A hundred percent. While it would have been a lot better um, if that Creighton game was a little bit more favorable at our end, not even in a win. Like, I can move on from a loss, but if it just, uh, you know, wasn't as much of a, like, a thrashing as it was, mm-hmm. it would be able to be a lot more positive. Um, while it would be great to, you know, dive in on the great UConn game, the great Providence games, as we look ahead to St. John's this weekend, uh, the big news is, is obviously going to be Zach Freeman being out uh, four weeks uh, to a month, um, that's going to be uh, very hard to move on from. Um, while I thought we looked very good against Providence, especially in the first half, mm-hmm. I thought there were a lot of late-game situations where we definitely missed his presence. Yeah, I mean, you lose a lot of depth with that. Yeah, uh, the depth, is, I think, is the main thing. Yeah, you're losing a guy that's playing, what, I mean, he's playing 30, 35 minutes a night. Yeah, and I was thoroughly impressed what... Jerome was able to do. I thought Cesar and Kiki gave serviceable minutes. For sure. Uh, while it wasn't, like, amazing. Um, in my eyes... You weren't, like, scared putting them in the game. Yeah, they gave you solid enough minutes where the guys that you need now to play, 35-plus, can do that. Right. Um, so I, I thought that they did a fine job. Um I thought that at times, defensively, we looked very good. I agree. Especially um, down the stretch, second half, like kind of middle to late second half. With it, we had a couple possessions where we were taking Providence down to under five on the shot clock before they could get a shot off. Yeah. Um, you know, the problem is now that, like, the defense is just trending downward and downward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ken Palm, we're still staying uh, pretty high in offense. Um, but we are now the 100th. I was just gonna best. Say, are we t- are we top hundred? In defense? We are the hundredth best or defense worst. in America. Um, yeah, what's our offense ranking now? Uh, we're like six before the Creighton game, where we had an explosion. So I don't really know what it'll um, be now. Adjusted offensive efficiency. We're six still. Okay. Marquette's first. <laughs> um, Crazy. But at, at the end of the day, uh, as much as you know the Zach presence is going to be felt uh, with him gone. Like thereof. Yeah, there is uh, there's definitely some big upside. He can sp- score the ball with any team in the country and all without having like one of the best offensive players in the country. It's not like For you sure. have a Zach Eady, um, you know, like r- this is solely based on the way that our offense moves. Um, Second in assists per game in the country is pretty insane. Um, ninth best of points per game. I mean, in Ken Palm, sixth best, uh, sixth most efficient offense in the country. That is insane. Um, so I think that this team uh, is built not on one person, but it's the entire program. For sure. And um, I think that the St. John's and at Butler give a good opportunity Kind of test some things out. St. John's is very good. Um, I think that their backcourt 
with Carvalho and Pasha Alexander. He's one of the best in the country. Soriano is coming to his own as one of the best big men in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. John's is a very reputable, good team. Like This is a March team if they play their cards right. And while they haven't had the best like campaign, I think that they have the talent to you know win the Big East tournament. Or totally, totally agree. Get some big wins uh, when they go to play Marquette or Providence or whoever else they have on the schedule. Um, or even us. like They could go into our place and get a huge win. Right. Um, I did last year. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that swept us last year. And granted... Um, Things are know, a little different. Yeah, you lose lose some big stars off that team for, for St. John's. but And obviously things are different over here. But still, I mean, the, the core of the team is still there. Right. Uh, so this is going to be a very good game. And then I think the at-Butler game is a good opportunity uh, for a little tune-up before... Um, Marquette, and then you have another homestand. So the, the St. John's and Butler game, I think, are a good opportunity to kind of just find your identity. Uh, while we are more than just Zach, uh, Zach brings you a lot. I mean, he is our most efficient scorer and plays 30 minutes a night. Um, so I think that there's a lot to look forward to as a Xavier fan. It isn't time to panic. I think that Providence win without Zach uh, should I really... think it helped calm a lot of nerves. Yeah, definitely. Both on, both within the team and outside. Yeah. Um, but I and I think that that's just the main takeaway for me is, like, how do you respond? Um, like, do you want to be, um, like, fall off the wagon in February like it's been? Or do you want to adapt from this? And I think that we have every opportunity based on how this season has gone to just finish strong. And unlike the past couple of years, we've put ourselves in a position to drop games. Like, it's the Big East. It's not even just the Big East. It's college basketball. It's conference play, right? It's conference play. Like, you're going to lose games. You're going to lose a weird game to DePaul at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday. You're going to lose Creighton. Uh, in their biggest home game of the year, like there's, it's just going to happen. Those types of games are going to happen. Look at the rest of the schedule. Like, we very well could lose to Butler. We could lose at Seton Hall. Villanova has Justin Moore back, a completely different team. Um, As we saw, I mean, they just gave Marquette a run yeah, at, in their place, and that was his second game back. I mean, I wouldn't want to see Justin Moore in his sixth game back uh, with their season hopes on the line right like there's it's just the grips of the season um but we have put ourselves in a position to be able to deal with these things and i think again i've said this all year it is a great time to be a musketeer fan couldn't agree more with you graham all right on that note we'll wrap it up and get out of here um thank you all for listening tonight i'll get this posted either tonight or maybe maybe tomorrow i'll give you a little weekend treat uh, for you to listen to going into the weekend. Got a great weekend of hoops signed up. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, good little off weekend of football. I think this is something that people kind of discount a little bit. There's no no NFL this weekend. You know, it, it ain't obviously Super Bowl next weekend, so you got like a little break here, and then you got one more weekend of it. But first weekend where it's like legitimately college basketball is the main focus. Um, obviously, college football ended a couple weeks ago, and really with the NFL checking out. Welcome to true college basketball grind season. This is where it gets, you know, real and, you know, taking care of things down the stretch uh, matters more and more and more. So 
Really looking forward to getting down to that. Obviously, March Madness just around the corner. We're all very, very excited. Um, and, yeah, so thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more content, reviewing the weekend and the middle of the week stuff. Um, and, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Cheers.